0: Hi everyone, you're welcome to another episode of Ugo Steak. My name is Uga Madi, and thanks for listening wherever you're listening from. I'm a big shout out to people listening from Ireland, listening from the US, listening from Nigeria, listening from Singapore, France, and a lot of places where the podcast have been it's been listening, listened to from. So I want to say a big thank you. Keep listening, keep following on Spotify so it's easy for you to follow. Each episode once it drops, you're able to get onto it and then um, enjoy the show as it goes on. Um today's show, today's episode really of Google stick Um I'll be looking at a lot of issues. It promises to be a packed episode as well. Um as it's been the past few episodes. Um firstly, I'll be looking at the entire protest that have been going on in um, Nigeria especially and as well there's been um solidarity and protests that's also been um going on around around the world going on in the uk i know that's for sure and going on in some parts of um um the us as well um so that's really really been amazing so i'll just be giving my two cents on that in a minute um but also i'll be looking at the champions league fixtures that um be taking place today and also looking at the ones that are also being played at this moment and then finally i'll talk about my kickstarter um, campaign that i've been running for some time on and kickstarter i'm trying to raise funds for um, a comic book that i've been working on um it's blast um it's a superhero who has super speed and i don't want to give anything away you can go on kickstarter and you'll find out a bit more or you could follow my comic book page on um instagram is wahala comics one word and then for also ghost Oni and for uh akina as well so there are various characters on there for now i'm trying to raise 500 pounds on the page you can go there and there are various exciting um perks that you could get for a uh, supporting the campaign for back in the campaign. So for all those who've been back in the campaign, I'll just say a big big thank you because it means real it means a lot. So now let's dive straight in. First off, I would look at the Champions League games that have been going on that are yet to be played and those ones that are on at this point. So first off <laughs> There's a Zenit Club Bruges game going on at this point in time. Zenit St. Petersburg versus Club Bruges. is taking place in Russia and I know usually um, they have earlier kickoffs than the rest of Europe. So at this point, minutes played. It's still um, goalless. And then you have the Dynamo Kiev versus Juventus. That was Juve. Same um, time as well. 0-0, um, zero, zero, all square as well and then we have some fixtures that will be kicking off that's RB Leipzig versus Istanbul Bakasher sorry if I butchered the name fans of Istanbul Bakasher it's a Turkish club and um, RB Leipzig so I think um, my my own two cents is that um, RB Leipzig would um, come out of this one, tops probably win. Maybe by, um, I would say my prediction three goals to one. I may be wrong, but ultimately, I think they would win this one. And then, next game is Ren Vasos Krasnodar. Krasnodar, the new boys, the new boys, um, in the um, Champions League this season. I don't think I've seen them in any European competition, whether the old Champions League or the old um ufa super you do you do you old of cup that's now the europa league i don't think i've seen them play in any of these tournaments but um good to see them there and they will be playing um, by eight pm same as r b Leipzig um Istanbul back and Istanbul back this year. so um I'll just give this light air to, to runs because I think that the more established club would I say but knowing that they haven't been despite the fact that they haven't been regulars in the European big stage so I would say they probably would sneak this one let's say two goals to one I would say I' would say cross no the new boys show them some love they'll probably get a go back and then also we move on to the next game. On the list I have here is Lazio versus Borussia Dortmund now we have the story, come story because we have in Shiro Immobile you know, Shiro Immobile is an Italian striker um that plays for, obviously played for Lazio Um before that he played for Torino and then he went on to Dortmund and didn't have the best of spells at Dortmund but now he's been at Lazio for the past two seasons he's been scoring goals for fun so let's see what happens, let's see if he's able to stick one in his old side, uh, even as they meet today by 8pm then next on the list, before I move on to the next um, fixture my prediction and despite the fact that Uri Mubile is in superb form I would still give this Light edge to um, Dortmund to the German side so I would say they win comfortably 2-0, Gonna be a trashing but 2-0 and they may just be too much for i Mobile he may not get his goal in this fixture so I'm saying Dortmund to win to go 2-0 but you never know Lazio at home have the spirit of being at home though um, obviously, there are no um, home fans to give that home advantage, so to speak. Um, so, Dortmund to win that one, two goals to nil, because you have the likes of Jaden Sancho, um, Jude Bellingham, you have Ellen Haaland as well, who's a goal machine. You know, he's been scoring goals for fun as well in the, in the German um, Bundesliga. So, I think all in all, Dortmund would come up tops in this one. So, that's it for um, the Lazio Dortmund game. And the next on my list is Chelsea versus Sevilla. And um, the, the London side would be playing host to um, the Spanish team. And on the face of it, you would say, oh, there's a counter for Chelsea. Chelsea should win this one comfortably because we know Sevilla, not known for having the best you know, form in the Champions League, but once you get once they drop down to the Europa League, they smash, they smash all comers and go on to win the league to, to win the competition, but not so much in the Champions League. But Chelsea have seemed to carry, you know, their fragility from the last season onto this season, it's like they can't keep a lead to save the. They can't defend to save their lives, even if their life depend on, depends on it. You know, they they are not, just not able to keep a clean sheet or stop sides, you know, from scoring against them. You know, consider two goals at home to Liverpool and lost the game. You know, you could argue losing to Liverpool, you say, well, arguably Liverpool are the best side in the Premier League at this point in time. But then you go um, the next the fixture that was just played in the uh, just last past weekend, losing to uh, No, dropping points rather to Southampton after having a two-goal lead and drawing 3-3. Three, three. So, that being said, I don't really think... I don't really think that... Um, Chelsea would really, really be able to come up winners in this one if I'm using my head to to give the predictions but um, if I go with my heart I will probably say Chelsea to just sneak to just sneakily and luckily should I say fortunately not fortunate, or just somehow somehow by hook or crook I'd say go away with a two goal to one lead you know so because this has not really been terrible by the standards and the, the finances that have been pumped into the club this season, you know, spending upwards of, 20, of of £200 million this season on new players. And so I'd say Chelsea to win two goes to one, but I wouldn't be shocked. I wouldn't really be surprised if it ends 2-2 or 1-1, or just ends in any sort of draw. I wouldn't be surprised, but I give it to Chelsea. A slim victory, two goals to one. Mm-hmm. Now, the next one is Paris versus Manchester United. So, I'm predicting for this one, Paris to win at home, three goals to one. And then the next one, Barcelona versus Ferran, Servos Sorry if I put you the name. But I think this will be a walk in the park for Barcelona. A walk in the park. If the if it ends up being a draw, then Ronald Koeman should be sacked right on the spot. On the spot. He shouldn't even be allowed to even take to even get to, to you know to the, to his office. He should be sacked right there. Because this this one that should be a counter should be five nil win, six nil win. For Barcelona, so I'm predicting a five-goal, five-goal win for um, the Spanish side. And there are lots of games taking places, so I'll just look. I'll just give predictions for the last for for three of them, and then move on to other sporting uh, topics that made the rounds this past weekend. So um, Real Madrid, Shakhtar Donetsk. I'll say Real Madrid to win and by two goals to nil. And then Ajax versus Liverpool. I'm giving that to Liverpool, though they're playing away from home. You know, Ajax likes to play beautiful football, total football, football, play out from the back. And, and you know, Liverpool believe in high-pressing, high-octane football, like their manager would always describe it, heavy metal football. And that would put Ajax under immense pressure. And I don't think Ajax would be able to you know, survive the pressure. And so I give this a 3-0 victory for Liverpool, despite the fact they're losing their captain. Um, they're losing their, their captain. Not their captain, rather, sorry, the captain is Henderson. They're losing. Um, Van Dijk who has been really influential um, this past three, two and a half seasons where he's won the, the um, Champions League with Liverpool. He's won the Premier League with Liverpool. He's won the World Club Cup, I think, with Liverpool. So, and he's been really immense. He's actually made um, Liverpool title challenges, like the top team in the Premier League. His presence has really improved them a lot. But um, there's something I'll have to address that that I would address later on in the show. Um, based on some comments that have been made by some pundits about um, Virgil van Dijk but for now we'll move on to the next game the last one i'll be giving my prediction because there are lots of games going on um that that would be going on today that we play by 8 uh, p.m so man city Porto, Man City portal um let's see i think man city should win they should win this one let's see three goes to nil that's my prediction for this game that will be played tomorrow same as the Ajax Liverpool game same as the Real Madrid game these three games will be played tomorrow so I'm giving my prediction for the game Liverpool to win 3-0 Liverpool win that way Manchester to win 3-0 as well in Porto and so that's my prediction for um, the Champions League fixtures for week one now that's done. We move on to other. <laughs> we move on to other topics, other issues that have made the rounds in football around Europe, especially in the Premier League. Let's move on to other topics that have made rounds in Europe and the Premier League. Now, you know, some weeks back, a couple of weeks back, not too long ago, for certain, um, we had um, there was this rumblings about Liverpool and Manchester United leading um, the top six clubs with a proposal um, called the big picture that would see. Um, The Premier League reduced to 18 teams as opposed to the present 20 teams. And then I would also see um, 25% of um, the revenue generated from television rights being given to the EFL um, teams. And then Rick Parry, who is the chairman of the EFL, was reported to um, have backed the... to have given his support up to the big picture proposal. But eventually, when there was a meeting of all Premier League clubs, surprisingly, there was a unanimous vote against um, the project Big Picture. And then, you know, everyone began to wonder if we had at least two clubs who were leading the charge for um, this project Big Picture, how come you're having a unanimous uh vote against um, the proposal. So, and then we've had people come up like Arsene Wenger, former coach of um, um, Arsenal, and then who's, who's an executive consultant for um, FIFA coming up to say the, that English football under its present structure you know can't survive or rather the present football structure in the premier League, in in rather in football in england isn't sustainable that it's quite impossible to have 92 teams in 92 professional teams you know that it should be restructured have a general overhaul and restructured restructuring and then today <laughs> what i just saw making the rounds on social media and on sky sky sports news and all over the place was that um, Manchester United and Liverpool, once again, were part of top so a group of top teams in Europe, European top teams, that have been in negotiations to, <laughs> you know, bring uh, into fusion an European Premier League, you know, an European Premier League that would um, have... Uh, I don't know was it 20 teams yeah 20 teams and is rumored to be backed by FIFA that's really really strange you know backed by FIFA because when you speak of FIFA what should come to mind is an unbiased umpire that's in charge of his international game that usually just gives general governance um and um guidelines for football decisions on how to regulate and football within the countries and things like that, but now FIFA back in an European Premier League. Wow, 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 wow! That's just like pouring dust into the eyes of UEFA and other um, continental football associations. So, and some of the f- uh, feelers we have been getting from sources or from my research that I have done, is that the original founders, let's say you have six teams or seven teams, you know, that um, are at the forefront of bringing an European Premier League to fruition. If they succeed, those first, let's say, first seven teams would not be relegated. So that's kind of adopting the style of the of uh, American team sports like you have with the NBA and the NFL, you know, despite the form of the teams, whatever the whatever they play, whether they lose all their games, the league just resets at the end of the season and everyone plays again. There's no relegation. Even the MLS, even the MLS, which you think. Um, since that's a Major League Soccer, what you think um, is the uh, f- football uh, l- league, so it should follow the normal football tradition, doesn't still imp- apply those traditions. So once the league ends, there's a reset, and then everyone goes again. So this sim- it seems to be the, uh, the proponents of the European Premier League are looking at applying the same... Should I say the same strategy or the same philosophy to this European Premier League. But for me, I feel this is just a money grab. This is just a money grab. Because you have the domestic league, you have domestic football, you know, people are playing, teams are playing, you have promotion and relegation, you you have the competition, you make lots of money already. So what's the need? This is just a money grab because the rumor to say that at the end of at the end of the day, teams could get hundreds of millions of pounds in prize in prize earnings, and you know it would probably be a bigger brand than the UEFA Champions League, for instance. It would also be a bigger brand than the Premier League is at the moment, because if you can imagine a league where you'd have um, Real Madrid, Barcelona, Juventus, Manchester United. Um, Liverpool Chelsea um, (laughs) uh, Bayern Munich RB Leipzig Dortmund PSG you know that would be a far more attractive product for um, for broadcast uh, uh, outfits broadcast um, stations all over the world that would be a bigger bigger brand more attractive brand you know more attractive product for, for them than the Premier League and than the Spanish La Liga and what then would happen and what then would happen you know uh, 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 to the lower leagues in these countries what then will happen to the Championship for instance in England or what happened to the to league li- to league uh, to the second league second division in in the French league what will happen to um uh, the second league in bundesliga what will happen to you know you know the lower leagues in the various competitions all over the world what happen to them because then clubs like real madrid clubs like chelsea could say clubs like M- manchester united could say there's no promotion we don't have any link with um let's say um a Macclesfield town, so why should we um, support them in any way? You know, and that would take a lot of attention from these clubs. You know, so it will be bad for football in the long run because I don't see the need for an European Premier League at all. I don't see the need, you know, because it will just destabilize UEFA for sure and it will give all the power to these clubs in this supposed European Premier League, because that's a problem, you know, that's a problem I have with the American style, you know, the American philosophy of um, their team sports. The owners of the, of NBA team owners have so much power, you know, they determine the structure of the league, they determine everything, same as the clubs in the MLS, because you've had so many people that have um, proposed having relegation and promotion in American football in the American football pyramid, but the talk of having to compensate the owners, having to get their backing—you know, the owners wouldn't like it. The billionaire owners just makes things a whole lot, just makes it very complicated and and really um, unattainable. In, you know, so it gives the owners all the power to do whatever they want to do in the MLS, and this would then be because if the European League, via what we've been hearing, comes to fruition, all the powers will go to the the owners of Liverpool, the owners of Chelsea, whatever league body you want to have of uh, that will be proposed to def- to organize the league. Because definitely, it wouldn't be UEFA you know, would not have any powers, you know, and that would just be too bad for football. That's my two cents on this whole European Premier League. Um, Should I say conundrum? Because it's a problem. It's a problem because I think Liverpool and Manchester United, they've come up with um Project Big Six. It hasn't worked. Now they've come up. They've also, they're also leading the English charge for and for an european premier league they it's just like teams want to be in complete control of what happens and teams don't want competition they don't want to be relegated they don't want to battle out with the small teams you know um because people always come up with this to say uh we have uh, uh, um, if we want to have meaningful games. We want to have more engaging games, and as if the small teams are, aren't important anymore in football, you know. For me, one thing that attract, attracts me to football, especially the European brand of football, is that you have the big teams, that, you know, doing what they do. You have the small teams that can knock them off their perch at any moment, you know. You have that giant-killing story. what really attracts me makes me love this game but having the european premier league for television purposes maybe you have better spectacles you know you have two big teams you have big teams always playing against big teams all year round or competition round and then that means more money for these clubs because um the likes of your bt your sky sports your fox uh, though that's an american um tv station tv channel or broadcast company you know that would be they would be attracted to this European Premier League more than they would even be attracted to the Champions League and then let's just forget about the Premier League, forget about the League On forget about the Bundesliga because those leagues will just dissipate, will just disappear you know so that's my own opinion on this matter so next We'll be looking at next Ooh. some results, not all the results, but we'll be looking at a couple of results uh, that um, a couple of results um, from the English Premier League that just happened that from the fixtures that, just, that have just been played this past weekend, and I'll give my two cents about it quickly, and then go on to talk about some incidents that happen on the field not result wise but happened on the field in two games and then because i've been making the rounds different pundits and sports platform like talk Sport have been going on on and on and on about this topic so i'll just give my two cents about them and that will be it for this episode so just hold on and keep listening thank you for listening once again this is ugo's take and what you're welcome if you're just joining or you just skip right through to this um, section thank you for listening and keep listening follow on instagram follow on twitter and you can also follow on spotify so let's go on to the next topic for discussion not really discussion at this point. So Aston Villa still going on strong. They beat Leicester City, one goal to nil. Still going on strong. And then you have Manchester United. I think they've recovered from um, the 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 pain and the bashing they received from Tottenham Hotspurs when they defeated Newcastle United by four goals to one. So that's good. That's good for them. They're getting back to winning ways. But Liverpool came sort of unstuck against um, Everton as it drew two-two in the side derby. So that leaves Everton to top of the league, and then does the Chelsea Southampton game that started very well for Chelsea, finished um, this, this race into a 2 0 lead, and was like, whoa. Southampton will be smashed, will be destroyed, you know, by the end of this game. Maybe it seemed like it was a question of how many uh, would Chelsea get, how many goals would Chelsea be able to score. Um, but in typical Chelsea fashion, that's the truth. That's how it's been um, from last season and this season. Just have a soft centre, considered a goal that shouldn't have been considered at all, because many people would hop on the bandwagon to blame Kepa, because obviously he considered he was dribbled, um, Danny Ings rounded him and scored, but the build up how did he get to the point? Kai Havertz attempted to nutmeg the Southampton player, he barely succeeded you know, this Southern player almost got the ball off him. He succeeded and he still persisted, held onto the ball far too long, in my opinion. And then he lost the ball. And the question is what happened to Kristensen and Zuma? Because because Ings just waltzed through them, just waltzed, like he was walking into his bedroom, just walked, walked by them rounded the goalkeeper and scored you know so the game ended 3-3 at home to Chelsea and Stanford, Stamford Bridge which you know when Chelsea even got the third goal it was like okay the scored late into the game so probably they should be able to hold on to the lead but like I said typical Chelsea fashion it lost the lead and ended up being 3-3. So, they would say in four games they've lost one and have been unbeaten. In five games rather, they've lost one and are unbeaten in um, four games. So, that's a positive that Chelsea fans can take from the game, but really, against Southampton at home, they should be really winning the game. Now, we move on to something that's happened On the playing tough on the playing pitch you know on on the field of play but not with respect to actual football play now the first one i want to talk about is um van Dijk. who's at this point injured he got injured in the um, messicide derby against everton uh when jordan pickford classes into into the dutch defender despite the fact Though he was offside, though um, Virgil Van Dijk was offside, and unfortunately Virgil Van Dijk would be sidelined for eight months because he's to undergo an ACL operation uh, surgery on his ACL, and he would um, that means he would miss the rest of the season and possibly even miss the Euros for the Netherlands. So that I'm sure would leave your club. Um, scratching his head, and the boy, as well, the coach for um, the Dutch uh, national team, scratching his head as well. And Liverpool fans and Dutch, Dutch nationals feeling really, really angry and upset with what has happened. Now, flowing from that, you've had so many people coming up to say there should be a retrospective ban for um, Jordan Pickford, who um, obviously caused the injury. Um, of um, Van Dijk, um, retrospective ban for me. It should be a retrospective red card. You know, okay. Would this have been a red card if it was on the? If the referee had seen it and or VAR had actually brought the referee's attention, to would it have been a red card? If the answer is yes, then the player should be given a, a retrospective ban. But there's been some arguments put forward by Julian, uh, Julian Laurent, you know, he's a sport journalist and he has, he runs a podcast on ESPN FC uh, with, um, G- uh, Gabriel Marcotti, Gab Marcotti, you know, the Italian um, uh, journalist. Now that's, he brought this, this, um, um argument forward to say a player should be, um, if a player causes the injury of another player he should be out for as long as the injured player is out or although although he has although he has somehow come up to um should i say soft pedal on his position with regards to uh the player the player being out for uh, being banned for as uh, much as um, the the player who is injured is um, out injured. So for me, how the slippery the, the the problem comes in deciding what amounts to um what amounts to an injury in that regard, what amounts to an offence in that regard, you know, if you're having punishment longer than the usual or the normal three-game ban, you know, what? how would that be? It, you know, what would you be looking at, what would be the parameter to, to judge or ascertain? Would you be looking at um, the f- fierceness of the tackle? Or would you be looking at the impact of the tackle? because we've seen players going up for the ball have there's a head clash and one comes up there's he has no injury he just shakes his head and keeps going and then the other has his head gashed and is out for one month so what do you do because you can't play because it's that and sometimes you even see a player completely take out another player like tackle him from behind smash him clatter into him properly but he gets up shakes his leg off and moves on so what happens you ban that player though nothing has happened to the other player and then it's, so for me the nature of the tackle should be what you look at either the tackle was fierce or seemed too dangerous or seemed like dangerous play then you ban the player. You shouldn't be looking at, oh, what happened to the player afterwards? No, that shouldn't be what sh- uh, should be used. So that's my opinion on that match. So I wish Van Dijk, Virgil van Dijk speedy recovery um, and he gets back working and then playing um, both for Liverpool and the Dutch national side. Now, um also on Talk spot as well, um... Danny Murphy, uh, former Fulham player, and I think he played for Liverpool as well, has come up to say Virgil van Dijk is the best defender he's seen in his lifetime. So, for me, that's okay. It's his opinion. But I think he's wrong. You know, that means He's trying to say he's seen maybe only three or four defenders in his entire life. Virgil Van Dyke for me is one of the best defenders in this mod in this era, and one of the best defenders ever. One of the best, not the best ever, because to be the best ever in any given sport, as long as as far as I'm concerned, is not just your skill or your ability, which Van Dyke has in spades but how long you've been doing it and what you've done to define the position. Like, you can't talk about defending without speaking about Paolo Maldini. You can't talk about defending without speaking about John Terry, without speaking about Baresi, without speaking about Franz Beckenbauer. You can't speak about football without talking about these players. And also, how long you've done what you've done at the highest level. And let's face it, Virgil van Dijk, I know Celtic fans would be a bit upset, a bit angry, or a bit, um, yeah, upset, if I say all the time he play at Celtic, it's a ninth level, but it's not the elite of elite levels, then he went to Southampton, Southampton is a nice, decent Premier League club, but it's not the elite of elite club you can't call something right now an elite premier league club because they don't go to the champion's league not even the Europa league you know they don't compete for Euro- european sports on the league table you know they just a club was just there in the premier league getting year out so he's just been at the top level for let's say three to four years so you can say he's the best ever he may be the best ever when he re- when he retires, he may be the best ever. Then, but now, no, no, my friends, no amigos. He's not my friend. He's not the best defender ever. You have to look at Rio Ferdinand, John Terry, Neiman Vidic. You know, people who really who had a really long career and achieved great things. You know, in the span of their career and also define the position. Like, Vidic defined the position in terms of being a tough, tough tough defender. John Terry as well. Talking about the way Van Dijk pings the ball, pings the passes. John Terry has been doing that for, he did that all his career at at Chelsea. You know, Franz Beckenbauer, he defined centre-backs as sweepers. That centre-backs can be sweepers as well. So, you talk of Baris, you talk of Paolo Maldini, the calm, there's a composure. Van Dyke is a wonderful player, but he's nowhere near being the best of all time. Not yet. Not nearly yet. Finally, in the last topic for our discussion today is Aguero and Sian Masse. Sian Masse Mar- was the first official and the uh, uh, Premier League fixture uh, um, featured Manchester City and I think Aguero thought the decision should have gone in his favour and he touched her on her shoulder and she just shrugged it off and he, he walked away, he didn't really grab her he just touched her shoulder and walked away and then that was it and you would have thought, okay, that's it, normally it happens you see someone touch a referee and you move on but it's been going on and on and on and on in the media, on social media, oh, you shouldn't touch an official, you're touching a woman. He hasn't done anything wrong as far as I'm concerned. And I'm sure you go on Twitter right now, you go on talk Spot, it will be raised once, once again, it will be an issue ongoing. You know, for me, let's leave things that are really nothing. It's, it's nothing, he touched on the shoulder like you would touch a male re- referee sometimes, although they say it's, a, it's against the laws of the game, regulations of the game to touch a referee but I'm not sure the um, makers of the regulations or those who put the regulations in place in, intended it to be applied with such strictness at the moment he touched someone on the shoulder, that's it or touch someone just barely touch someone then you should be punished because that's the same thing that is wrong with football with footballers there's a rule you don't put your head up against someone so now once a player's head is just barely close you know barely close to (laughs) to an opponent that the opposing player could just fall on the floor like he's been shot by a sniper and rolls and rolls wriggles and rolls on the floor and then uh, a player is given a red card and uh, we complain about it but the law wasn't meant to be applied in that fashion similarly the law isn't meant i don't think to be applied in this fashion that you touch a referee on the shoulder and it becomes an issue you touch a lion's a man or lion's woman on on their shoulders and then it becomes an issue an issue to punish for so for me it's a non-starter the 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 official Cian Massey she handled it with class as a professional um referee or lines person would you know just okay keep going keep it going keep it moving uh um, Aguero keep it going Kun there's nothing to discuss the decision have made against you keep going you know class and would have thought that should have been the end of it but People keep going and going. People keep looking for things to just talk about, I guess. You know, with the whole COVID-19 going on, um, you don't have fan madness. Everyone is indoors while they play and then they go home. You don't have people going out. You don't have stories of footballers being being caught um, doing some stupid things at nightclubs and things like that. So maybe people try to dig up stuff, you know, to create content, maybe, um, but in my opinion, um, it's a non starter. It's really a non starter. So, uh, coming up in the next segment, I will be uh, talking about the answers, uh, answers, answers campaign, and protest, however you want to call it. And I'll give my two cents on some recent um, developments that have. Um, come up um, during this and says should I say protest? So, keep listening. Hello and thanks for listening and being patient and loving the episode and following the episode and following the podcast i mean listening on instagram listening on spotify and anchor so i'll quickly move into the last um topic or should i say segment because um we're talking about two um topics or two themes in this um segment uh firstly i want to talk about the answer's campaign protest has been going on and i'm really proud of nigerian youths because we've never seen this before um and the protest has been peaceful people have been going about the, about the protest peacefully um young lawyers have been providing legal assistance free of child pro bono young doctors have been give have been providing a medical treatment, medical attention, you know, free of, free of charge as well. People have been providing food for protesters, you know, and it's been peaceful because usually what you have is doing protests. You know, you have people fighting, you have people breaking stuff, you have people destroying things, you know, but it's been peaceful all through. So I really, really want to commend the people who are... Uh, organizing protests all all around the country, you know, in Lagos, in Abuja, in Port Harcourt, Um, it's been peaceful, and then there's been some negative aspects as well, not from the protesters themselves, but from some hoodlums that have just emerged out of the woodwork to chase down protesters, try to uh, uh, um, harass them and all come on stop this now so if i say it's something done by the government or instigated by the government sorry something instigated by the abuari-led administration people would say google you're taking it too far the government wouldn't do that the government wouldn't stoop so low to get hoodlums and talks to terrorize people who are protesting peacefully okay i'll say okay maybe i can say that because i don't have all the facts but then again what is the number one or primary function of government it is to take care of the welfare of its people that's number one function it could be social needs it could be economic needs and their safety as well so let's say the government has no hand in the hoodlums and the thugs who've come to terrorize and disrupt the protest. how about you get your police officers to arrest these people how about you do that but well, we haven't seen that happen yet we haven't seen that happen so government mr buhari muhammad buhari um Oshibanjo and everyone else who's in government get the security personnel and arrest these people who have been disrupting this um, peaceful protest now that's one secondly there's been this development where we've seen people talking about um the representative of the protests of the protesters uh, should have meetings with the government i've seen something in lagos as well where the Lagos state governor has said people um the protesters will be having a meeting with him in lagos and all that for me that is a major no-no for me that's a major no-go area no-go area as far as i'm concerned For me, if the government wants to do anything, the government should go out and do it because the needs and demands of the protesters have been made known all over the world. It's known. It's known in the US. It's known in the UK. It's known in other parts of the world. It's known, obviously, in Nigeria because the protest has gone viral on social media. The protest has gone... um, has been televised by different international broadcast media all over the world. So, it's nothing new. Why am I against or why am I opposed to um, having representatives meet with executive, uh, members of the executive council, whether at state level or federal level? You say, Ugo, why are you opposed to this? This should be a good step. This should be a good step. This should be what you should want. This should be the next step in progress but no because one way to take a man off his struggle or rather one way to divide a group is by creating leaders of those groups by making people feel they're not really part of that group because once you get people out of the protesters and make them leaders and they begin to discuss before you know what's happening maybe some checks will pass hands some appointments will be made and then gradually those leaders that are part of the protesters will now start feeling like they're no longer part of the protest. they're in a different class at this point and then you now have youths turning against themselves people who who are meant to stand together, stand strong, will now be against themselves, will now be fighting against themselves. So, for me, the needs are known, the demands are known, ban SARS, for real, end it up, don't redeploy anyone, don't, you know, don't create a special police, not in the next five years until things are sorted out. And then you go on to provide social amenities and things to do. And I want to make one more point on the issue of um, this NSARS campaign. This is a point in history when we can look up and say, this was when Nigeria changed for the better this is one point in history when you can, that people in the future, let's say 5 years from now 10 years from now, 20 years from now 30 years from now, can look back and say, Nigeria used to be a sleeping giant with enormous potential intelligent people, natural resources an all round blessed country but corruption and bad leadership almost destroyed the country but this time 2020 this was when Nigeria changed because the youths of the era stood up and held their ground the youths of the era stood up and said change should happen because sometimes change is not the best change isn't who isn't pre-planned and orchestrated sometimes something ignites change that wasn't planned for and this SARS issue could be that thing that ignites the change in Nigeria it could be that in that 10 years from now we could look back and say yes it was a sad time because the officers of SARS you know We're killing people. We're maiming people. We're arresting people indiscriminately. But. The youth stood up. And things changed. And from then on. Every other aspect of Nigeria. Began to change for the better. So. Let us. Not waver. Waver. I would like to give. I would like to call out people. If you're a young person. You have that knack for politics you want to be in leadership and you have a good heart this is the time stop walking and preparing for 2023 start preparing yourself start preparing yourself you know start preparing yourself Start start preparing yourself you know start preparing yourself start preparing yourself you know Prepare yourself to be in those positions because leadership would not be handed to you. And I've said this before, I think, in a different discussion, you can't ask a viper to change who he is or what what it is. A viper would always be a viper, a snake with venom, and you can't expect a viper not to bite you at some point, no matter how domesticated the viper is no matter how f- you you take care of that viper you show him so much love so much affection one day it's going to bite you you know the story of the frog and the scorpion comes to mind you know we all know the story about the, the, the frog you know hopping across and the scorpion said please carry me so we can And both uh, get across the pond. And the frog said. But you will sting me. And the scorpion said. No of course I'm not going to sting you. Because. We both will drown. And the frog said. Okay. Come on. Come on board my back. And. The frog hopped. With the scorpion on his back. He hopped. 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 But, before they could get to their destination, the scorpion stung the frog. And the frog began to sink with the scorpion on his back. And he said, why did you do that? Because we are both going to die. We are both going to drown and die. The scorpion said, it's my nature. So, we should think to ourselves to say maybe it's just the nature of these present politicians in Nigeria is their nature to be corrupt is their nature to want to cheat people out of their rights Is, is their nature to impoverish the populace is their nature and so we should be intelligent enough not to use violence at all eschew violence but but use our, our heads, re-strategize, re-plan, start forming, form a different political party if need be. If PDP wouldn't, wouldn't give you the platform, if APC wouldn't give you the platform, if all the parties that exist right now wouldn't give you the platform, form a new party. Call what you will. Democratic Party, Renewal Party, whatever. And then, Take charge, because there are people who are in government, they were have been in government when my dad was ten. There are people who are in government right now, they were in government before I was born. They're still in government, you know. So that's my take on this answers campaign. Keep protesting peacefully. Keep making your claims known. If you're on social media and you can't be on the streets. Use the hashtag n if you are on the streets. We have our support. You have our backing, you know. And I want to use this uh, opportunity to say if you're an n campaigner, a protester, and you want to come on this podcast, just send me an email to ugosteak at coolside.net. Send me an email and I'll surely get back to you. And you can come on this podcast and we'll have a nice discussion. Now, before I end this segment and end today's episode of the podcast, I would just like to say, if you're a business owner and you would like to support my Kickstarter campaign for my comic book, this is what you do. You can go on the Kickstarter and back it and back it for between £50 to £100. Or you could contact me and send it directly to my account uh, um to my account details i'll send you my account and you send the money in and what do you get in exchange you get to be mentioned on um this podcast and you also get some real estate in the co- in, in my comic books in all the um titles that i'm looking to publish in this um via this Kickstarter campaign I'm to publish four titles. you have real estate within the books to publish, your to advertise your business and all, and all that. We could have that discussion. So send me an email, go on Kickstarter, support my, my campaign, and ooh, you'll be glad that you did because we we'll want to bring these stories, unique stories, interesting stories, engaging stories, exciting stories. You know... To show what we can do. When we put our hands together. So I would like to give a shout out to. Two businesses. Juicy African Kitchen. In Leeds. At 40 Biston Road. And Lexro Lenin That helps the child get prepared for. All the exams. Including GCSEs. And finally. One more business. Sicily's Pizza. Sicily's nice place to get your lovely meals at affordable and competitive prices so thanks once again for listening to this episode of Ugo Steak. thanks for following on Spotify and all the other platforms and do have a wonderful day bye-bye